You're listening to season three of the Queen's Memory podcast. My name is Jiefei Yuan, and I'm the Queen's Memory curator. A new role designed to showcase the treasures we've collected over the past decade. In this season, our major minor voices, we feature stories from our neighbors of Asian descent in Queens, New York. One in four borough residents identifies as Asian American. That's more than 650,000 people with roots stretching back to Asia. Too often, these voices are deemed minor, as in of a minority. But in our borough, these voices are a major force. From the little Manila shops under the seven train line to bustling Punjab Avenue in Richmond Hill. This series takes us inside eight Asian neighborhoods, whose languages, cultures, and belief systems, without question, play a major role in shaping the future of our borough. But even as so many Asian communities have come to call Queens home, they've also faced challenges here, many of which have intensified during the pandemic. These stories they tell reflect their ongoing struggles and triumphs. There are our stories. A vital part of who we are, and together they represent a snapshot of our ever-changing neighborhoods as they are now. This is Heidi Shen. I am Stella Gu. Hi, I'm Melody Tao. I'm near the downtown Flushing in Queens, and here is where my story begins. In this episode, executive producer Melody Tao chronicles the turmoil these communities are experiencing in the present. As well as the richness they bring to our borough. First, let's rewind to early 2021, when Asian Americans across the country were facing rising levels of bigotry, violence, and xenophobia. Hateful attacks. The woman now under arrest for targeting Asians in Queens. Tonight, the FBI is stepping up its efforts to counter the shocking surge in attacks on Asian Americans. New tonight, a 61-year-old Asian woman is in critical condition at the hospital after a stranger hit her on the head with a rock. The surge in hate crimes against Asian Americans only getting worse, and some of the accounts are extremely violent. According to data from the FBI, anti-Asian hate crimes increased more than 73 percent in 2020. And during the first quarter of 2021, State Attorney General Letitia James mentioned in a speech that hate crime against Asians in New York State have increased by 223 percent compared to the same period of time in 2020. Hate crimes across this country, and in New York, we've experienced the sharpest increase in this. In Queens, where Asian Americans make up more than 27 percent of the population. The violence has terrified many. Two months before New York State closed down, I had staff members who are Asian Americans, community members we serve who are Asian American, who are already letting us know that people are making remarks about them. People were making jokes about the coronavirus near them.、Um, there were unfortunately some physical altercations that happened with some of my staff and community members. Wen Ho is the CEO of CPC, the Chinese American Planning Council. It is the nation's largest Asian American social service nonprofit, 
and it has been serving Queen's residents since 1979. Wen said that during the pandemic, when his staff needed to go out and work, bringing meals to seniors and making sure people with disabilities were getting served, they were more afraid of catching fists than catching COVID. It's a really sad situation when essential workers, um, whether it's nonprofit workers, um, restaurant workers, health workers who are Asian American, they're less afraid of COVID-19, and with hundreds of thousands of people who've died from COVID-19, than they are against discrimination and violence and hate that could happen to them if they're just walking on the streets of New York City. The xenophobia exaggerated by the pandemic had a huge impact on Asian American communities at large. When the pandemic started, we already knew that we had a president who were using terms like the China virus and kung flu. This was perpetuating the stereotype that Asian Americans and Chinese Americans were the cause of the coronavirus. And obviously, everyone across the United States, around the world, were struggling with the public health aspects. They were struggling with the economic impacts of the coronavirus. And then for the Asian American community, you add on this third issue of our own physical safety because we are being targeted as a source and having to experience violence and harassment and discrimination. 66% of Asians are essential workers. And I cannot tell you how upset I was when I heard that some of our family friends were threatened on their way to work to save people's lives. Joyce Moy, the executive director of Asian American and Asian Research Institute CUNY and a long-term Queens resident indicated that the pandemic manifests a structural inequality. When you hear about the fact that only 4% of the nurses in the United States are Filipino, but 32% of the nurses that died were Filipino, you really begin to see how this has impacted the community. The Asian American community also became the scapegoat for government failures. The fact of the matter is 800,000 Americans died because of the failure of American leadership to protect us. And that is the problem. I think people do not place the blame where it ought to be placed with respect to this country. Queens has been strongly hit by the pandemic. Professor Matulika Kondawal, the director of Asian American Center at Queens College, said that as a Queens resident, it was a shocking, traumatic experience to see what happened in the neighborhood. We were working from home and I was isolated. It was very hard to believe that just a, you know, a little distance away, I mean, there was havoc. While isolated, she felt more connected than ever to the Asian American community. Asian Americans, largely they saw themselves as immigrants. They identified with their own ethnic group, own cultural, religious identity. There have been common events or developments that happened here that brought them together. As more and more anti-Asian violence cases happened, Members in Asian American communities began to unite and reach out for alliance. We begin to see Asian Americans begin to do coalition work and understanding how do we respond to this issue of racial equity. Systemic 
racism still exists in United States of America. When these kind of things happen, like COVID-19, I think a very essential part of understanding Asian American communities and Asian Americans in United States of America, that they have been perceived and they continue to be perceived as eternal foreigners. Asian as perpetual, like that they cannot become Americans. We are American. We are human. We are moms and dads. We are brothers and sisters. We are sons and daughters. For most Asian immigrants, becoming American is not easy. Many go through years of waiting for some, an entire lifetime. Joyce Moy's great-grandfather, grandfather, and father emigrated from China at an early age. But after decades of living in the U.S., they were never granted citizenship. That makes Joyce, who is a citizen, a fourth-generation Chinese-American. Throughout her childhood, she witnessed firsthand the development of various Asian-American communities in Queens. She shares those memories with us here. When I was a child, my grandfather owned a home in Queens. Uh, it was in Jackson Heights. So I remember visiting the family as well as living with my grandparents for some period of time. Uh, when we lived together, we lived with my aunt and uncle as well, and they had four children. So there were about seven of us, all in the same generation, running around. It was back in 1950s, when there was a very tiny population of Asians in Queens, most of whom were Chinese. Joyce remember at that time, the economy was poor and crime rates were high. I recall walking through Flushing when I was 15, and people told me to be very careful. Crime was on the rise. Uh, if you walked along the main commercial strip on Main Street, you would see that there were a lot of empty stores. The area was definitely facing a challenge. But by the 1980s, people in Queens began to see a large influx of Asian immigrants come to this area. It started with the Indians in the late 60s and 70s, and then began to see more and more Chinese and Koreans moving into the area. The movement of Asians into the area completely revitalized the area. It is a thriving, prosperous uh, commercial area. It's one of the largest commercial areas in all of New York City. The flourishing of Asian American community in Queens was the result of Immigration and Naturalization Act of 1965, which abolished an earlier quota system based on national origin and established a new immigration policy focusing on reuniting immigrant families and attracting skilled laborers to the United States. The policies put into effect in 1965 greatly changed the demographic makeup of the American population as well as the residents in Queens. From never bumping into somebody who was Asian to the point where you see Asians just about everywhere. Um, there are 
Asian businesses, Asian restaurants, Asian clothing stores. My children uh, went to school here from uh, kindergarten through uh, high school. And again, the Asian student population was really large. I would say about 24% at that time. And now I'm being told that nearly 75% of the elementary school they attended is Asian. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's dual language now, both uh, Chinese and uh, English. Now in Queens, there are more Buddhist temples per capita in Elmhurst than anywhere else in the United States. In Jackson Heights, there is a large group of Tibetan immigrants. In Woodside, there is Little Manila, famous for its Filipino restaurants and stores. Richmond Hills is home to the largest Indo-Caribbean community in the United States. When I first moved into the neighborhood that I live in now, there were no Asians around. I would get on the bus and there was nobody that I would meet who was Asian. But over the last 46 years, nearly everyone, I would say close to 90% of the people I meet on the bus commuting to work in the morning, are Asian. Professor Matulika Kondawa came from India to the United States in 1984 as an international student. Her story is one of the many stories of Asian Americans who immigrated in the last 50 years. Some have come as part of family reunification, some have come here to do jobs, and some of us, people like me, have come as first as international students and then becoming immigrants. So it's been a journey where I realized that my own immigration is part of this larger Asian and generally immigrant community. With more than 50 years of constant growth, Queens now has the largest urban concentration of Asian Americans in the country. This borough has room for so many different cultures and so many different identities of people. And they all come together here. And even though they are coming from very, very different countries and cultures and languages and religions, but they can make their home here in Queens. Not only the Asian American community here is very large in numbers, but also in the ethnic diversity within. Led by the Chinese Americans, but also uh, the second largest Asian group are South Asians. Groups like Indians, Pakistanis, Bangladeshis, Sri Lankans, Nepalese. And then you have Korean Americans, Filipino Americans, Japanese Americans, and so on and so forth. So this national diversity of Asian Americans is very well represented in Queens. Asian immigrants with different background gathered in Queens and established. I would call it a pan-Asian sensibility, even if they are from different countries, because they are in the same borough, because they are neighbors, we do find, you know, this kind of reaching out to other Asians. And the fabric of Queens is made up of this cultural diversity. The density and the diversity also made it possible for Asian Americans in Queens to seek a voice in politics. Many of the very first Asians holding political office did come from Queens. Five years old, 
for example, John Liu was the first Asian American member of the New York City Council. In the New York State Assembly, the very first Korean American elected to the State Assembly is Ron Kim, also from Queens. Rhonda Binder, who is our current Deputy Borough President, is Indo-Guyanese. You know, I can go on and on. Laying out how far Asian Americans have already come, Joyce wants to encourage people who experienced hatred during the pandemic, don't give up. So I would say to my Asian American colleagues and neighbors, don't get discouraged. There is a place for you. Learn about Asian American history. We do need to know about different groups within the Asian American communities. We need to go even deeper. We need to acknowledge the smaller communities. I mean, Nepalese community, Tibetans. Do we know about them? We need to know more about these communities to acknowledge them and to bring them all together. In this season, we will go into those communities and listen to people's stories, both in their familiar language and the language understood by most of us. We will share their laughters, their tears, and most importantly, their memories, as those are the memories of Queens. For Queens Memory Podcast, I'm Melody Tao. Join us next time for more stories from our Queen's neighbors. The Queen's Memory Podcast is a production of the Queen's Memory Project. For full transcripts and show notes from this episode, visit queensmemory.org forward slash podcast. This episode was produced by Melody Tao in conjunction with Anna Williams and Natalie Melbrot. Mixing and editing by Corey Choi with music composed by Elias Raven. Special thanks to Korean-American author Kathy Park Hong, whose 2020 book, Minor Feelings, inspired the title of this series. This podcast has been made possible in part by the National Endowment for the Humanities. Democracy demands wisdom. Queen's Memory is an ongoing community archiving program by the Queen's Public Library and Queen's College CUNY. The views, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this episode are those of its creators and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of National Endowment for the Humanities, Queen's Public Library, the City University of New York, or their employees. I'm Jie Fei Yuan. Listen with us next time on Queen's Memory.